familiar? If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. If you need to be away from your baby, most breastfeeding moms think of pumping or perhaps using donor milk. But what about having another mother breastfeed your baby? It's called wet nursing and sometimes cross nursing. And it's been around a lot longer than breast pumps, that's for sure. What is the history of wet nursing in the United States? And how are moms using it today? Real moms are here to share their real experience. We're the Boop Group. I use a breast pump. I hand express milk for my baby. I exclusively breastfeed. I use a nipple shield. I breastfed after a C-section. I use a milk bank. I breastfeed in public whenever I feel like it. I pump at work. I breastfeed with a cover. I breastfeed twins. I give my baby bottles. I made my own supplemental nursing system. I supplement with formula. I talk to my baby while I breastfeed. I'm breastfeeding as a survivor of sexual abuse. When I have extra milk, I share it with other moms. We are equal. We are the Boob Group. Welcome to the Boob Group. We're here to support all moms who want to give their babies breast milk. I'm Sunny Galt. Thanks so much to everyone who has listened to our show and uses our free apps. I think it's the best way to listen on the go. If you are listening through those apps or perhaps through iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Music, we're on iHeartRadio and more, then please take a couple of moments to leave us a review. We really appreciate it. This is how other moms find out about our show. And if you want automatic updates about all the new episodes, we release, then please subscribe to our show. You can also sign up for the Boot Group newsletter and we'll email you updates every time a new episode is released. And I have a little bit of a teaser for everybody out there. Next week, starting next week, this is a pretty big move here at the Boot Group. We are switching things up again and I will be introducing you to a brand new host for the Boot Group. Now, don't freak out. I'm still part of the shows. I will still be producing all the shows and you'll still hear me on a lot of the episodes, but it was really important for me to kind of pass the baton uh, to someone else completely qualified. I'm so excited to reintroduce you to Priya Nimbard. Um, she actually has been on the show quite a bit. She is the creator of Mom's Pump Here. She has an app which helps moms find great places to pump and breastfeed in locations throughout the country, throughout the world. And she's just a great breastfeeding and pumping advocate and we've actually become really good friends over the last six months or so. So I'm super excited to introduce her to you guys again as the host of the Boob Group. So that will happen next week and she will take over all of the hosting responsibilities. Um, but we will still have moms on the show and and have great ways to feature the content that you guys give us. And so um, look for that next week. <coughs> Sounds familiar. 
If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. So before we kick off our conversation today about wet nursing and cross-nursing, we do have a comment from one of our listeners. And whenever we release a new episode, I always post the episode to Facebook. And it's where a lot of you comment on the shows. And I do read those comments. And one I, I just really liked because... Um, it just meant a lot to me. The episode itself means a lot to me. And it was one we released last week about breastfeeding guilt and how do you deal with that. And Suze, who has um, submitted some comments to us in the past, Suze, thanks so much. She says, thank you. I really needed to hear this, especially today, to know that I am not the only mama who struggles every single day to feed my child. And the reason I love that comment so much is because it's so real. Uh, we hear a lot like the struggle is real. And and it's so true. And I just love that we can be a little bit vulnerable with each other with this situation that we're all in as moms that want to do the best thing for our baby, whether that's breastfeed or, or you know, feed our babies in other ways or pump for our babies and um, share breast milk and do all the amazing things that we do because we love our children. And it's not easy to get up every day and do that, especially when there's so many other things going on in our lives, right? So I think Suze really hits the nail on the head here, and I really do appreciate her comment. Feel free to comment. Anytime we release something on Facebook, if you're you know, not already following the page, please do. You can also email us through our website at newmommymedia.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So today we're talking about breastfeeding other children besides our own. And there are a couple terms we're going to be using today, wet nursing and cross nursing. So wet nursing is the complete nursing of another child. Sometimes it's for pay. And cross nursing is when you occasionally nurse someone else's child in addition to your own. So you're still lactating, right? And it's usually in some sort of child care situation. And we're going to talk more about cross nursing in the second half of our show. And we're actually going to talk with an IBCLC and also a mom who have cross fed other children. But first, 
Let's talk more about wet nursing and its history here in the United States. Dr. Janet Golden is a professor of history at Rutgers University. She specializes in women's and children's history and American social history. And she also wrote the book, The Social History of Wet Nursing in America. Dr. Golden, thanks so much for being with us today. I want to give everybody an overview of where we've been in the United States when it comes to wet nursing. Right now, I think in today's society, it seems like this this distant thing that happened a long time ago. So I really want to explore where we've been. So from the beginning in the United States, has wet nursing always been a part of our culture? Well, I would say that humans have always been involved with wet nursing because, of course, in many instances, uh, women died after giving birth in order to feed their child, the the child would be given to another woman to suckle. And that might be a paid wet nurse. It might be another nursing mother in the community. So wet nursing has always been with us. And in the United States, that was the case as well from the colonial period uh, up until today. Although, of course, people not couldn't always get a, a another woman to nurse a child. And so they might depend on animal milks or concoctions that they put together of milk and water and other things. Um, so we, we could say we've always had, had art, what we might call artificial feeding and wet nursing as part of our human history. And how did we see this play itself out in the United States? I mean, what were some of the earliest examples of wet nursing in the United States? Oh, well, there were so many, you know, colonial women who's, um, who died in childbirth or who couldn't nurse who had infections after birth. So they might put an advertisement in a local newspaper, even a colonial newspaper and find a woman who would uh, come and nurse their child, or they might put their child out to be nursed. That was another thing that people sometimes did. That was more common in France, for example, where women living in the cities who had to run shops would send their children to the countryside to be nursed. Uh, But that would happen here. Uh, again, on slave plantations, sometimes women would be uh, wet nursing other women's babies so the women could go into the field. It's, it's always, you can just imagine it's always been a part of our history. What really starts to happen in the 19th century is physicians and companies begin to provo- promote what we would call artificial infant feeding or formula feeding, creating products to be bought and sold rather than maybe mixing some goat's milk with water and feeding that to a child through a pap boat. Uh, and that comes to us in the second half of the 19th century. And I think, as we all know, we still have a lot of people creating infant foods for us today. So is that when we started to see wet nursing kind of taper off as when formula was introduced? I think that's, yes, that's true. There's two reasons we see sort of a decline in wet nursing are three reasons, really. One is that for middle-class and upper-class women who can afford it, these commercial products come on the market. Uh, secondly, as we get better transportation of milk from the countryside into cities, uh, milk as, as an alternative becomes more available and becomes safer once we start to pasteurize it. And then a third reason would be that physicians... Uh, begin to get invested in concocting, we might say, infant formulas that women would mix themselves of basically a, a sugar, a water, and an animal milk. 
Uh, and it sort of let physicians become the experts because they were the ones who would tell you what formula to feed to a child at a certain age. And of course, wet nursing was a very fraught profession when it involved women moving into your home to nurse your child. On the one hand, they're a servant. They're probably from a different ethnic group. Um, people worried about that. They didn't like having servants. They didn't like paying for servants. Um, and at the same time, there was some thought that maybe the traits of the women who wet nurse would somehow get into the child. So people would say, oh, she had an Italian wet nurse, and therefore her child grew up to be very secretive. That's something I read once. Or uh, she had an Irish wet nurse, so the child grew up liking to drink. So there was this sort of assumption that heredity was not fixed, but fluid, literally, and came through the milk, through the personality of the woman who was nursing. So for all those reasons, people began to see it as safer, perhaps in some way, to, to go to an animal milk product or to a formula. Okay. And so you were talking a little bit about, you know, the class of people that were involved with this. So the first question I have is, were women typically paid for this? Or was it something, you know, you mentioned that the slave period and stuff, I would imagine that slaves weren't paid. They were just expected to do this, or maybe they got some extra benefits. How did that work? Traditional wet nurses were basically poor women hired out of almshouses, um, home, homes for the poor. And because of that, in order to be a wet nurse, you had to take your own baby and give it to another woman, pay her to raise it while you made a little more money wet nursing. And often what that really involved was exchanging one life for another. The wet nurse's own baby would die because she was away nursing another woman's child. So it was a very fraught professional arrangement. Now, in terms of cross-nursing, I think the most interesting thing is that we sometimes see is because plantation owners viewed slaves as investment. If a slave woman died in childbirth and the plantation mistress was nursing her own child, she might nurse the infant of a slave woman because she wanted to keep that baby alive to grow up and be another slave. So it's a very complicated history that's, that combines with all sorts of other histories in our country. So the idea of tandem feeding infants, it doesn't sound like they, well, well, you mentioned that, you know, a lot of times they would go and they would live in that environment and be taken away from their own children. I'm just wondering why they didn't try to feed both. You know, we have women today that do that. Um, do you have any knowledge behind that? Well, there were homes for abandoned infants where women would come in, they'd enter with their own infant, and they'd be asked to breastfeed another baby. Uh, that didn't always work because, number one, the woman, of course, prioritized her own baby. But secondly, the nutritional support for these new moms was not good. So she didn't always have that much milk and that much energy to feed a second baby. Today, of course, cross-nursing, cross um, wet nursing, it's, it's much easier because we, we're in a nutritionally better situation. But if you're really just getting fed gruel a few times a day at the almshouse, it's going to be hard to satisfactorily nurse two infants. 
You know, I'm wondering, thinking about the history here in the U.S. and wartime, you know, we went through a, a revolution where women were entering the workforce because the men were away at war and we had to keep things going here in the U.S. Do you have any information about what happened, you know, for wet nursing during that period where more and more women were coming into the workforce, therefore perhaps not able to breastfeed their own babies? What happened during that time? That's a very good question. And the answer is, we really did not take many nursing mothers into the war industries, say, in World War II, when we also set up daycare centers. Most of the daycare centers did not take infants under 18 months of age, and there was always a big push to have women stay home with their babies. Earlier times, settlement houses and community centers might offer day nurseries, and those infants would be bottle fed, and that would be for poorer women who had to go to work. Um, but actually, the milit- even in World War II, when we pushed women into the defense industries and to taking jobs for men, we tried to keep new mothers out of those jobs. That's really interesting. I, I didn't know we made that exception. I, I actually feel a little bit proud of us for doing that. <laughs> so I know we've talked a little bit about the history here in the United States when it comes to wet nursing, but does history tell us anything as far as where this is going in the future? I mean, obviously, wet nursing has tapered off, but it's not gone. There are still women who wet nurse and cross nurse other babies. No, it's not gone. I'd say there's some very interesting things that have happened in the past 30 years. One is uh, that, of course, with the rise of internet communication, we have a lot of informal arrangements of people buying and selling breast milk. Uh, the second thing we begin to see is... As breastfeeding initiation rates climb, we see more women making informal arrangements to cross-nurse each other's infants. Um, We also see some public health questions being raised about that process um, as the HIV epidemic takes off and some concern about that there. So there's uh, the, the recent period has been very, very interesting, I would say. Yeah, so really since the development of the internet and our communication has really, you know, been able to increase, we've got Facebook groups, we've got websites that are devoted to this kind of stuff now where moms can connect. Right, and we also have a lot of women donating breast milk right. uh, for premature, some, some there are organizations that buy it and process it for premature infants, um, but actually that kind of donation has a long and interesting history. Some of it begins with the birth of the Dion quintuplets in Canada in the 1930s uh, when women went to the Toronto Hospital for Sick Children, expressed their breast milk, and the milk was put on a train and sent out to, to rural Ontario where the quints were living in, in the little quint land that was built for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then from that, we get the rise of hospital-based collections of breast milk to be used for premature infants. So I I would say that the selling of breast milk, the commodification of breast milk is an interesting 20th century phenomenon. But I still feel like like now there's a little bit, there is a difference. When you hear wet nursing, first of all, I think automatically nowadays we think of this as a very old term. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I think there's a lot of women that feel differently about buying and selling breast milk as opposed to actually having a baby latch on to another mother and breastfeed. Do you feel that as well? I I think that is one reason, in fact, why we went to breast milk as a commodity is to separate the woman supplying the milk 
from the product that was milk. Uh, that was very clearly and consciously done by switching to the system of collecting donated breast milk, which had the effect really of bringing middle class women uh, into the process of what of what we might call giving milk to, breast milk to other infants. The first American breast milk bank that opened in Boston uh, uh, sort of advertised itself in the newspaper, not as a formal advertisement, but in articles in the newspaper by saying, all our moms are college graduates, to kind of let you know that uh, you weren't dealing with a different class of women. Have you found, based on your research, that within the last 20, 30 years, women who are, whether it's cross-nursing or wet-nursing, do you find us going more towards women that we know to do this? Or I know that there are websites online where you can find somebody um, and you don't have to know them at all, you know, and it could just be somebody in your area. But what do you find historically is happening now? Because there's a big push for breastfeeding right now, but I find that a lot of women prefer to know the person. Do Do you find that as as well, or, or is it I honestly okay? don't have any historic, you know, any modern data on that. I know that okay. historically, of course, you look to your friends and neighbors, and maybe when people had larger families, you look to a sister who was also nursing. Maybe the sisters would trade babies, something like that. Um, today, it's it's really not well. It's not well studied, so we don't really have a good sense of how much cross-nursing is going on, who's engaged in it, how long does it last, uh, what are the implications. They could. It, it's, it's worthy of study, and I suppose that someday people will get onto that and we'll know more, but we really don't know very much. I think that might be because I feel like there's a lot of closet wet nursers. They, they don't, because there's a stigma, with it today. I feel like um, there are people that, that do it, that are proud to do it, but at the same time, they don't want the criticism. They don't want someone else to find out about it and then to be criticized for that. So I don't know. Based on my experience, that may hmm. be a little bit of what's happening here. Right. But it would be a wonderful subject to study, wouldn't it? Sure. Absolutely. Where do you think all this is going? We have a big push right now for breastfeeding in general. There's a lot of articles that are written about breastfeeding to encourage moms to breastfeed. Our podcast, The Boob Group, is about the benefits of breast milk in general, whether you're breastfeeding or you're pumping your breast milk or you're sharing breast milk. And so I'm just wondering from your perspective, do you have any kind of prediction? Does history tell us anything about where this may be going now that we're seeing this big push for breastfeeding? Well, I don't know that history is a very good guide to anything. Uh, <laughs> just the lessons, but not how, how things are going to be in the future. It does seem to me that with the rise of the baby-friendly hospital movement, which helps women initiate breastfeeding, we do see an increasing rate of breastfeeding initiation, and, and that's been good. Uh, second thing we've begun to see with the Affordable Care Act is a lot more support at work for women who want to pump their breast milk and store it. That's been a big movement. And I know a lot more institutions, my own institutions, others do have lactation stations and we're moving towards that. So there's a lot of support there. I think maybe people are waiting for what could be a third step, which is the passage of legislation supporting the Healthy Families Act that would allow uh, for paid family leave instead of just unpaid family leave that would let women and men, but women stay home and breastfeed for a longer period, get that more established. 
before they return to the workforce, as is done in other countries. I know that the, the WIC program has changed to support nursing women much more, and that's a very good thing. So I think we'll just have to wait and see where it goes. But I think the trajectory is towards more breastfeeding. All right, Dr. Golden, thanks so much for being with us today and sharing your insight on the history of wet nursing here in the United States. When we come back, we are going to talk a little bit more about cross-nursing, which is something that I introduced at the beginning of the show. It's when mothers occasionally nurse another baby, but may not be the sole provider of breast milk for that baby. Usually these moms are breastfeeding their own children as well. So we're going to talk with a couple of moms with experience in that area when we come back. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Welcome back, everyone. In the first half of the show, we learn more about the history of wet nursing in the United States. Now we're going to switch gears a little bit. We're going to focus on cross-nursing, which is a more casual approach to nursing another child, not so formal. Usually moms do it while they're still feeding their own child. And it seems to be a very natural thing that a lot of moms are choosing to do. I talked with several breastfeeding moms for this episode, and many of them wanted to maintain their privacy, which is why we didn't and feature them all on the show. But what I found is that today, cross-nursing is definitely more commonplace than wet nursing. Although there are websites out there that are completely dedicated to wet nursing and hiring someone that you may not know to breastfeed your baby for you on a full-time basis. But what I found now is that more moms are adopting cross-nursing and usually it's to help out a family member or a friend. Now, before we talk to a couple of moms who have done this in the past, I do have to give a disclaimer, okay? Um, When it comes to sharing milk in general, there are some things that we have to keep in mind. There are health concerns, right? Now, this comes from the La Leche League website. I just want to read a couple of these bullet points so you guys know some of the risks before we, you know, go ahead and talk about this. Um, According to the La Leche League, they say that a mom should be healthy, well-nourished, taking no medication. Ideally, she would have an infant about the same age as the one she's going to be cross-nursing. She should be screened for tuberculosis, syphilis, hepatitis, herpes, HIV, and other infectious agents. She should not smoke, drink alcohol, consume large amounts of caffeinated beverages or artificially sweetened beverages. And her own infant should already be very healthy, gaining weight on a regular basis, and free of all infections. So once you've (laughs) overcome that hurdle, that's when we can really talk about this um, and, and do it safely. Safety is is so important. So anyone that's considering this, we certainly want you to 
take the right precautions so that the mother that is giving her breast milk is safe as well as your baby is safe as well. So we have two moms joining us today to share their personal experience. Jessica Coletti is a base here in the U.S. Uh, she breastfed her child as well as another child she was caring for, and she did that for about two years. And also Meg Nagel, mainly cross-nursed her sister's child. Meg is also an international board-certified lactation consultant. She's based out of Australia. She's also an author and a blogger at themilkmeg.com, which, of course, we'll link to on our website. And uh, ladies, first of all, thanks so much for being with us today and being willing to share your story. Meg, as a lactation consultant, why do you think we have this stigma now with wet nursing or cross-nursing, basically feeding another person's baby? Uh, We talked earlier about this being part of our history. So why do you think so many moms are shocked when they hear about this concept now? Yeah, well, I think the bottle culture and formula feeding has become such just a normal part of um, many cultures around the world. The whole wet nursing thing and cross nursing started to become less and less common because now people had a way to feed their babies with something other than their breast milk, which was a much safer alternative to anything else that they had had previously. I think it's so interesting how we've done this 180 where, you know, back in our history, there was a point when women and, you know, people in general thought that uh, formula was the best thing and that seemed to be the safest. And and now we're going back to breast milk saying, hey, we really think this is what's um, best nutritionally for our babies. So Meg, let's talk a little bit about your personal experience. I know you breastfed your sister's child, but you also have some experience breastfeeding other babies as well, right? Tell us about that. I have. So I was thinking about this and trying to remember the, the babies that I breastfed. Um, <laughs> the, the first baby that I breastfed, this was quite a few years ago when my middle boy, who's now nine, so he was two at the time, still breastfeeding. Um, and I was supporting one of my friends during her birth. And after the birth, she had some complications and actually had to go into surgery. So there was quite a long time frame where she physically was in a lot of pain and then actually in surgery, so could not breastfeed her baby. So I was there still lactating and I was really happy to breastfeed her baby. And really interestingly enough, she actually asked me during pregnancy when she was pregnant, if anything was to happen, if I would breastfeed her baby. So it was something she had already thought about before the time had even come. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. she was very organized. She thought about every possibility with her. <laughs> she wanted to make sure her baby got that breast milk. That's right. That's right. That was a very important thing for her. So okay. I said, yes, of course. And it, interestingly enough, it actually happened. And I was really happy to do it. And then the next baby, this was when my youngest was 16 months old. He's now four. I went home to the States to visit family and I was um, at my sister's wedding and we were at a big bed and breakfast. So all of us were staying there together while the wedding was going on. So we had a babysitter who a friend of mine and I, who she watched our babies and we breastfed them to sleep, put them to sleep in their little cots. And then she stayed with the babies and would call us 
when they woke so we could go breastfeed them. This was at night when the reception was happening. And um, this was actually the case where someone was breastfeeding my baby because I was away um, putting my older children to sleep in their room. And in the meantime, my friend got the phone call, oh, your baby's awake. And when she walked down to the room to go breastfeed, she realized, oh, this isn't my baby. This is Meg's baby. (laughs) Um, But she didn't even think twice. I mean, she just popped my baby on. And I kind of went back to reception and went, oh, Devin's not here. And I just had this feeling like, hmm, I better go check to see what's going on. And sure enough, I walk in the room and there she is in her (laughs) bridesmaid gown breastfeeding my child. (laughs) Were you surprised by that? Have you had any conversation about that? Yeah, I think I think we did. Um, I was trying to I'm I'm sure we did. I mean, look, her mom and my mom are best friends and they best breastfed each other's babies. So it was very normal for us because we knew our own mothers had done it. Yeah. Um, And it really wasn't this weird thing and I was so grateful for her to have done that because he was instantly soothed would not detach from the boob mind you the poor thing had been sitting there for 20 minutes (laughs) stuck there until I got back but um you know if she hadn't been able to do that there would have been quite a long time of finding out where I was getting me you know to get to him so I was really thankful for her um that that she did that for me. Okay. Um, And one more baby, right? Yes. And then another one where I breastfed was my sister's little boy. So another, you know, first I went home for a wedding. Then of course the second trip was when her baby was born and he was about three or four months old and I was visiting for a month and she works three days a week outside the home and had told me that he really wasn't taking the bottle easily. So I said to her, well, when I'm watching him, if he doesn't take the bottle, would you be okay with me breastfeeding him? And she said, yes, that's fine. And sure enough, he really was not taking the bottle. I tried a couple times and I could see he really wasn't hungry. So I just popped him on the boob and within minutes he was happily asleep. So that was really special um, too. And it is definitely a wonderful kind of bonding experience as well. And he was instantly soothed and straight away went to sleep. Yeah. So it sounds like with all of these situations that, I mean, there wasn't, it, it was like a natural thing that everybody did. It wasn't like this, oh, do I do this? Would, would she be okay if I did this? It was just like mother's instinct, I feel like, just kind of took over. I think as a breastfeeding woman, it is not a weird thing at all. I know for myself and for lots of other moms who I've spoken to about this, it just really feels natural. It's not this big thing. It's not... It's not a weird thing to be breastfeeding another baby. And actually, sorry, I did forget another story of that same (laughs) friend who breastfed my baby. I did actually breastfeed her baby at one point during that trip as well. So we did breastfeed each other's babies. And that's, again, she was at work, um, so I breastfed her baby. Um, and I think of course, you know, if you are going to breastfeed another woman's baby, you don't just want to kind of pop them on the boob without having spoken to them about it first. I think, you know, it's definitely something that you want to have a conversation about, um, before it happens. But I know for most of us, it's a really, really natural thing to do. Yeah, Jessica, I I know you believe it was a very natural thing for you. I know your situation is a little bit different being a a child care provider, if you will, watching another woman's child. But you also had a conversation with the mom beforehand. So can you tell us a little bit about your experience cross-nursing another baby? 
Uh, yeah, I have a, a son and, uh, my friend has a son who is two months older. Um, and they were, they're two now, but at the time, uh, Mateo, my friend's son was six months and my son was four months. And, um, I was breastfeeding my son and I started babysitting her son, Mateo, and he was having, uh, issues with formula. So I offered to, uh, breastfeed her son as well. And she was, she was all for it. We had a mutual friend who was, um, who was also, who introduced us to the idea of wet nursing. Okay. So it wasn't foreign to either of us. And was it, you know, what was the experience like for you? Had you ever breastfed another, you know, mother's, you know, baby before or child before? No, this is my first baby. This is, I had never thought about it beforehand, but it, it came very, the idea was, was, came very naturally to me. Um, feeding one baby, the other baby's hungry, you might as well feed that one too, the same way. It, it um, it just made sense to us. Okay. And what was the process? Um, maybe it changed every day, but did you pretty much breastfeed on demand for, for both of the children or how did that work? Yeah. Yeah. I, I breastfed on demand until, um, pretty much until Mateo weaned around, uh, when he was around two years old, he just gradually stopped asking or needing to nurse. Wow. Okay. And you did that for a couple years, which I find amazing. You know, one question that keeps popping up in my head, when I just think about my own breastfeeding experience with my babies is it's such a personal experience for me. I I haven't breastfed any other babies besides my own. And I'm just wondering from that perspective, because we hear a lot about the bonding and, and all the amazing benefits breastfeeding has for mom and baby to bond. Is that somehow compromised if you're breastfeeding another woman's child? You know, does the baby bond with you in a way that could hurt bond with mother? Or is it strange in any way? Uh, Meg, do you have any comment on that? Well, it's interesting. I think when we think about bond, um, you don't have to be breastfeeding to bond with the baby. Right. And breastfeeding with a baby or, you know, breastfeeding someone else's baby does not mean that that baby is going to imprint <laughs> like a, a little duckling. <laughs> right. You. right. <laughs> um, you know, and of course, having that connection with someone continually, you know, if you're breastfeeding someone's baby all the time, then maybe you'll have a, a special connection. But mom is mom. And really, we know that there are many, many ways that you can bond um, and many different ways that babies and children bond with caregivers as well. Sure. Right. Absolutely. So Meg, there may be moms that are listening to the show that were and are inquisitive about wet nursing and cross nursing. Maybe they don't have tons of information about it, but maybe they're thinking, hey, you know, this might be something that is a good fit for me and my family. What information or what what advice can you give them as far as becoming a, a wet nurse or cross nurse for somebody you know, what do you have to keep in mind with that? Obviously, we mentioned earlier some of the safety issues. But as far as your own supply and trying to keep that up, let's say you're you're still breastfeeding your own child. Um, do you need to have an oversupply, you know, in order to do this? Or, um, you know, is supply really an issue? Are there other issues that moms should be considering before, you know, offering their breast milk to another baby? Yeah. So look, in terms, it's interesting because when looking at historically wet 
nursing, they of course would have this, you know, criteria for picking women. So how do their breasts look? How do their nipples look? That this <laughs> physical markers, which now we know doesn't matter. Um, but back then was a big right. deal. But really, I mean, look, first of all, what this is about is really comes down to the comfort level that the woman who is donating either her milk or, or wet nursing how she feels about it and how the woman who's receiving or the baby who's receiving, you know, what, what's important to the woman, um, to both women. And it's really a relationship, um, working together with this and with wet nursing in particular, it's interesting because I just off the top of my head, I don't know anyone who has had a wet nurse the whole time that that her baby's been breastfeeding. I only know of people who have have cross nursed. Okay. But with with cross nursing and when you talked about supply, um even I mean look, for a mom who has low supply, what's going to be the best way that her supply increases is of course breastfeeding another baby. I mean, talk about a great way to get your <laughs> right. milk supply amped up. Um if it's a matter of you just needing to to remove more milk to make more milk, of course there's many different reasons why women might not make enough. But if that's the issue, then of course getting another baby on there. So, you know, even um supply it would be very unlikely that a woman who was struggling with supply in the first place would be raising her hand to to be a wet nurse or for cross right right but really like like I spoke about it for before it's really about um understanding the risks knowing the diet knowing what's important um for for the woman who is going to be doing it and the woman who is actually looking for a wet nurse and having those conversations about what's important for each person and it's a very individual sort of, um, situation of, of what's important to you. Yeah, absolutely. That's great advice too. And like we said, I believe at the top of the show is that this isn't for everybody. And some people as they're listening to this episode, quite frankly, might be a little grossed out and that's okay. That that's probably a good sign that this is not for you, (laughs) but for the other moms out there that want to give and help in a different way, um, or that need help, this could be something that is beneficial for them, which is exactly why we wanted to do this episode. So Meg Nagel, thanks so much for being with us today and and being our expert in the second half of this. Jessica, I really appreciate your time as well. I know you're a busy mama. And then also earlier in the show, we had Dr. Janet Golden. Ladies, this has been a great conversation, and I certainly appreciate all the information that you've given me as well as our listeners. So if you are a member of the Boob Group Club, please check out our bonus content for this episode. We're going to talk about how to handle comments from friends and family who might not be so supportive of your decision to wet nurse or cross nurse because, again, there is a little bit of a social stigma that's a t- that's tied to this, right? So for more information about our club, visit our website at newmommymedia.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, we have a question from one of our listeners, and this comes from Danielle. 
Danielle writes, Hi, my son is 16 weeks and he's fully breastfed. From week two, we've been using nipple shields due to very sore, cracked nipples. I breastfed my eldest son for 18 months, so I knew something was wrong with my son's latch. Finally, at week six, he was diagnosed with a tongue tie. Over the last 10 weeks, I've tried to get him to latch on without the shield. He will go on for a little bit, but it's not too strong and it still hurts. Also, over the last 10 weeks, he has gained weight very randomly, ranging from 2 to 7 ounces per week, and he's now at the 0.4 percentile. He has lots of wet and dirty nappies, feeds about 1 to 3 hourly per day and night, and is content and very happy. I'm starting to worry that I'm being too selfish or stubborn, as I really do not want to supplement with formula. I do breast compressions every feed, and lately he's been refusing the shield. He also looks healthy and has a double chin and nice rolls in his legs. What should I do regarding supplementation? Thank you. Hey, Danielle. This is Helen Anderson. I'm a registered nurse, lactation educator, and I'm one of the experts here at New Mommy Media. I was listening to your question, and it sounds like you have a healthy baby that's doing pretty well, but you still have some concerns. So you mentioned that um, he has wet and dirty diapers, um, enough that you're not concerned, so that's wonderful. A double chin. He's looking healthy and well-fed. That's also great. Uh, The nipple shield, of course, may be cause for concern, but it sounds like that's resolving itself. And so that's great. I think your breastfeeding experience is really helping you out in that area because you kind of know what to expect and you know that you want to move him off of the nipple shield. And that's great. Place on the growth curve. You said he's 0.4th percentile. So that is, of course, a little low. But what we look for is consistency on the growth curve. So if he was born, um, for instance, at the 50th percentile and then he slips down to the 20th, that's a cause for concern. However, if he's born at the 7th percentile and he stays at the 7th percentile, then that's not something that we get too excited about because we see that he's staying consistent. So... That is something you probably want to watch. Also, at your doctor's appointments, you mentioned that he does have inconsistent weight gain. Be sure they're using the same scale each time to weigh your baby. Be sure they're weighing him without a diaper or any other clothing. Um, Those can cause variations in recorded weight gain, even when there aren't really any. And also, babies can be going through growth spurts, different levels of activities. So there's quite a few reasons, actually, why we would see variations in weight gain. But as long as he's gaining weight at a rate that your doctor is happy with, I think that you're fine. Keep being consistent with your breast compressions, with your breastfeeding, and I think that your concerns will probably resolve themselves. It sounds like your baby's getting enough to eat. Um, If you do have any questions, though, please talk to your pediatrician. Um, But it sounds like the warning signs of a baby that's not getting enough to eat are not there. You would, we would see fewer wet and dirty diapers. We would see a, a body that's looking like it's not getting enough to eat. And we would see a lot of hunger cues. And it sounds like those warning signs are not present in your baby. So keep doing what you're doing, but definitely keep communicating with your doctor. Okay, thanks. Good luck. 
So that wraps up our show for today. Thanks so much for listening to The Boob Group. I want to remind everybody that next week, Priya Nembard is joining our show. She is our new host for The Boob Group, so I'm so excited to have her on the show. I will be here as well, but she is going to be leading things, and she's fabulous in her own right, so I'm so excited that she's joining The Boob Group. If you guys want to say hi to Priya on social media, that would be great. I'll pass along all that information to her. You can find her at Mom's Pump here on Facebook and Twitter. So Priya's taking over next week. Don't forget to check out our sister shows, Preggy Pals for Expecting Parents, Newbies for Newly Postpartum Moms, Parent Savers for Moms and Dads with Toddlers, Oh, one more, and Twin Talks for Parents of Multiples. This is the Boob Group, where moms know breast. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, Please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. How would you like to have your own show on the New Mommy Media Network? We're expanding our lineup and looking for great content. If you're a business or organization interested in learning more about our co-branded podcasts, visit our website at newmommymedia.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.